This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Sarah. And this is Big Small Talk. This is the podcast where we try and cover the entirety of the news cycle from the serious to the frivolous all in one place. Because loving pop culture doesn't mean you don't understand politics. And today we're going to talk about King Charles' cancer diagnosis, Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion feud, Taylor Swift's jet fuel case, and the Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears feud reignited, and the right to disconnect from work being legislated. But first we would like to start by acknowledging traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today the Gadigal people, and pay our respects to elders past and present. But before we get into the actual news, what is your personal headline of the week? Wait, can I ask, do you have a um, do you have a Valentine's Day Oh, Sarah, we were talking about this because I feel like I get the ick from V-Day every year. I usually use it just to make cheek content. I made these Valentine's Day cards last year that went viral. I got like 25,000 shares in a day. What was on the cards? I make meme Valentine's Day cards that people <laughs> share their story and they're like, they're, they're, please, if you don't follow can I, Cheek. Can you give me a meme? Uh, like I, no, I can't because they're really inappropriate. You won't let me read them aloud. They're really inappropriate. Maybe I'll just bleep it all. And I'll you send say- you some. This gets people to go back and look, but I've I've already started posting them. So if you go to Cheek's profile today, you will see what I'm talking about. I do okay. these slides, these meme slides. So it's a big day for me professionally, Valentine's Day. But wow. I haven't had a Valentine in like three years. And do you take it seriously? Is it like I have never cared about Valentine's Day mm. because. I've never really had a Valentine, but also I just thought it was really American and like really like, I was like, what is the point of this? And I never, I never really got FOMO from it because I was like, unless it fell on like a Friday or a Saturday, in which case I'd have like a Galentine's. However, in saying all of that, I guess I have one tomorrow. So I feel... Smug as sorry, <laughs> something it's changed. I've changed my tune. I'm so sorry for everyone who doesn't. <laughs> That's really funny because I love the day because obviously it's capitalist. Blah 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 blah. I'm not really a roses and Pandora kind of girl. Please don't get those for me. But I love the fun of why not have an excuse to celebrate someone in your life. Like that's truly what I think. It's a nice yeah. thing at its core. But I will. You know what? I don't think I have a Valentine. Maybe I do. But I. I want to give an update that I am still seeing the man from the group date and I'm a bit of a fan. This is very scary to me that I... might be your Valentine. Well, he, I think he is your I, Valentine. I don't like what's going on here. It's very scary to me because it's like, healthy, it's like right healthy and secure and lovely and safe. It's, it's very scary to me. You've actually gone turbo with this. Like, you met this guy three weeks ago and you're kind of like... Sarah! <laughs> five months ahead of the game. Seriously, every week Sarah's like, what the fuck is going on well, there? And just, I feel the same. Well, it's, it is really like... It's really nice because you're usually so avoidant. Yeah, I'm usually someone who gets a bit shut down talking about this stuff because I'm so used to things going really wrong. Even if it doesn't work out, it's really nice to like have the bar really raised for future because I know how good it can feel, basically. It was in hell. It the was, bar was in hell before. He has genuinely pulled the bar out of hell in a big <laughs> way. So I'm really pleased with myself. I love love. Well, I hope everyone has a good day tomorrow. Let's get into the actual news. Let's get into it. 
King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer, Buckingham Palace confirmed last week. So the king has started treatment and he's been advised to postpone public-facing duties for the time being while he undergoes that treatment. And the type of cancer that he has has not been revealed by the palace. So it's not prostate cancer, but we know that it was discovered during his recent treatment for an enlarged prostate. So that's why I think a lot of people are making assumptions, but we don't actually know yet. Okay. Yes. So Charles is 75 for those who don't know. And yet he was recently treated for this, what they're claiming is a benign prostate enlargement and he spent three nights in London Clinic Private Hospital undergoing what they're describing as a corrective procedure. Now, following the treatment, the palace has basically said that he'll postpone these public engagements to allow for recuperation and just privacy basically during this time, which is completely understandable. Has there been, because this did kind of break a few days ago, but like has anything been updated? Like new? We don't have any more formal formal updates. And I think what's important to understand here is like this is really going to be a very carefully managed PR Mm. situation. And you know what I also want to say is I've seen a lot of jokes on the internet and it's just not funny. So many jokes on the internet. It's awful. And it's really important to note that like you don't have to like or care for the monarchy. I don't. And I was pretty vocally anti-monarchist and pretty pro-republic when Queen Elizabeth II died. But at the end of the day, it is not nice for anyone to experience this. And I think it comes back to the fundamental humanity of this is a horrible experience for anyone. And I don't want really to get gossipy about it, but the thing that people have been talking about, which is worth noting, is that Prince Harry flew to the UK to visit his father after the diagnosis for a total of about an hour they're saying. Whoa. So he flew into the UK for 26 hours and then flew back to LA. So he actually spent almost as much time traveling as he did in the country. One hour. Yes. He spent between half an hour and one hour with his father. Um, They're also saying he did not stay at the palace. He stayed at an undisclosed hotel allegedly and that he didn't see William at all either. So I think a lot of the speculation, and I don't want to be gossipy, but there's a lot it's of... It's actually more about the brothers. Yeah, and it, but it's also more about, is this a lot more serious than they're letting on? Because mm. for Harry to fly over and spend time with Charles, obviously it's a very significant diagnosis, but there is concern that it's much more serious than the public understands. And there's a lot of speculation as to whether we will be having another coronation for a new king anytime soon. Would, would that make him the shortest reign if it was this year? I'm sure there's someone shorter, but I just, it's a really horrible story and I don't want to start doing the guessing game because I don't think it's funny or clever at all, but it is something historically and politically important yeah. for the rest of the year. Because, I mean, then it would be William and Kate who would then you know, you'd hope rain for a very, very long time then. That would be... Yeah, well, I don't hope for that at all. I hope they get knocked off, frankly. <laughs> but, but... But, I mean, they're very... They're young. Yes. Really. And also, there's been a lot of speculation because Kate has been in for treatment recently, medical treatment. We don't know the nature of that. And so she's been away from public-facing duties as well. And there's been a lot of speculation that William's been having an affair. Yes. So there's a lot Which of Which we haven't problems. really touched on much in this no, podcast. Because, We've left it because it's... Because we're not UK the Daily tabloid. Mail. Yeah, yes. exactly. But I think at this point, I don't want to be gossiping, but I do want to be stating some clear sort of political monopolies that are occurring and what potentially the rest of the year could look like. So watch this space. It's an in-depth story, but it's it's not a funny one, but it's important to stay across. Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion are currently giving us one of the better pop culture fiascos to date, complete with diss tracks, Instagram lives and venomous tweets. Like this took me forever to try and get my head around and get across because I wasn't fully following it and then when I started deep diving on it I was like what the fuck is going on (laughs) you're about to school me Sarah I'm about to school you so pretty much no one really predicted that the like biggest celebrity beef of the year or like the first big celebrity beef of the year would be between Nicki Minaj 
and Megan the Stallion rappers. I'm pretty sure everyone knows who everyone they are. Knows. Surely that's on you. Oh, I go. actually know. And that's my that's that's, that's, that's what I'm testing that's against. A, I'm the true yeah. test case. I'm the sample size. <laughs> <laughs> but as you have probably seen, if you're on. TikTok or on Instagram, the two have been releasing diss tracks and absolutely dragging each other through the mud in recent weeks. Actually, I would say more Nikki dragging Megan, but we'll get into that. Pretty much, it all came to a head on January 26th when Megan released her single Hiss and it took a dig at not only Nikki, but at Nikki's husband. And the main lyric that everyone has sort of memed since is... These hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law. I don't really know what the problem is, but I guarantee y'all don't want to start. Bitch, you a pussy. Never finna check me. Every chance you get, bet your weak ass won't address me. But really the line, these hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law is what everyone has gravitated towards. Okay. I'm going to get to it. Because as always... I have created a timeline. Thank God. So I'm confused. As after that reading that you just did, I'm very sorry. Confused. Reading rap lyrics as if they're like <laughs> not the rap lyrics scriptures. is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So July 2019. Okay. These two are actually friends, right? And they released a song together with Ty Dolla Sign called "Hot Girl Summer." I remember it? Yeah. yeah. And they went on Instagram lives together, and they like gushed over each other. And Megan said she's been a Bob since 08. What's that mean? A Bob is what Nicki Minaj's fans call themselves because like Barbie, Slay. Bob, yeah. I'm They're called you. the Barbs. Her, That's her a fans. really cool way of doing the word Barbie. Yeah, I think it is Barbie, but like they are a very hardcore fan group as well. Like they would probably like Swifties and Barbs would be on similar levels, Insanity I would say. Levels, yeah. yeah. August 2020. So in an era of female rap where every time an emerging rapper decided to work with either Cardi B or Nicki Minaj, it sort of set off drama because Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, main rivals. Megan decided to take the opportunity and did both, essentially. So she's done that song with Nicki and then she went and did a song with Cardi. We all remember WAP. Oh, we do. We all do remember WAP. And that song was a huge hit. And yet, even then, Nicki still gave Megan like an outpouring of like love and support and said she was like a great businesswoman and a great rapper, despite her working with Cardi B. And everyone was a bit surprised by that, but like still on good terms. Jan 2021, now we don't know exactly what, but the two unfollowed each other on Instagram. Mm. So we don't know what happened, but something's definitely happened. May 2022, Nikki releases a song with the line, These bitches thirsty, I can see why they alcoholics. She then went on an interview with Apple Music and confirmed that that line was referenced to Megan. So she accused Megan the Stallion of shoving alcohol down her throat as well as allegedly suggesting that she could get an abortion during a time that she had been trying to fall pregnant. So she was trying for a baby. Obviously, people started posting that interview and tagging Megan and she tweeted back, lie, in capital letters. That's what we really Caps got then. Caps important, yeah. Caps. Caps lie. March 2023, Nikki releases another track, this one called Red Ruby to Sleaze, uh, and it did really well. It reached 13th on the Hottest 100. And there were a few lines that fans think were a definite jab to Meg, even one that seems to be about her Super Bowl ad that she did for Doritos, and it's like, Dorito bitches mad that they nachos. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but there are also some fans that believed that the line, that 40 cal a make them dance like a go-go, was a reference to Megan being drunkenly shot in the 
Feet by Tory Lanez in 2020. Which you'll famously remember that um, Sarah did this story on the pod and called it Tory Lanez the I whole episode. Who, I didn't know who Tory Lanez was. And, and then Tory so Linez. many messages from all of you listening yeah, who were like, like, you idiots. <laughs> it's really funny though because yeah. that's the only reason when I this, know. When like, this name came back up, I was like, not again. Not, <laughs> like, not the, you know, the, to- the Tory Lanez incident, the great Tory Lanez. But essentially Tory Lanez is a, another rapper and he's currently been sentenced to a decade behind bars. Part of that was he shot Megan, like aimed at Megan Thee Stallion's feet and shot her in the foot. Uh, We did cover this in another episode. I encourage you to go back. That was a whole thing to unpack. We don't have time right now. (laughs) So Jan 2024, it was Megan Thee Stallion's turn to like return serve with a diss track. And she released this song called Hiss. And she pretty much takes a jab at lots of people in this track. One presumably being Nikki. However, she never actually says Nikki's name in it. She's never directly saying Nikki. If anything, it's more of a go at Nikki's husband, Kenneth Petty, who is a registered sex offender. So what? Yes. Nikki Minaj's husband is a registered sex offender. And what Megan Thee Stallion did is she utilized the shrewd wordplay of referencing Megan's law. So Megan's law is the requirement to disclose information about a registered sex offender for public protection, right? So Kenneth was convicted of raping a minor 16-year-old back in 1995, and he ended up serving four years behind bar. So the line, these hoes be, don't be mad at Megan, they're bad at Megan's or whatever it was, pretty clear reference to that. What the fuck? Obviously, it was I'm learning so much. Yeah, so obviously it wasn't long before Nikki got wind of the song and responded on her Instagram Live. And she got online and started previewing her new song, which was like a return diss track to Megan after that song came out. And the song was then referred to as Bigfoot. And she teased the lyrics that obviously made fun of the fact that Megan had been shot in the foot by Tory Lanez. Can I just click, click pause for a second? Yes. So you're telling me Megan's had a go at the fact... Sounds fair that Nicki Minaj's husband is a registered sex offender because he was convicted of raping a minor in 1995 and served four years for that. Yeah. And Nicki has come back with a diss track about Megan getting shot in the foot and calling it Bigfoot. Yep. And the lyric that Nicki previews is, Bad bitch, she like six foot. I call her Bigfoot. The bitch fell off. I said, get up on your good foot. Okay, you're get you. <laughs> Sorry, but that's really a great line. But terrible. Like, can I can I say that like it's objectively funny. It's objectively funny, but it's not okay. This is it's objectively funny because I'm saying it. Yeah, and straight. Can I say that why it's objectively funny is because you are the we are the whitest women we know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying you reading that as if you're a, as if, as a journalist this is absurd. Is, okay? I know it's absurd, but it's, it's ridiculous. But can I say to. as a six foot two woman with size 13 men's feet. I take personal offence to this, let alone a woman who's been shot in her feet. <gasps> Second of all, this is actually so fucked up and why oh, have wait I never it. known this about Nicki Minaj? Wait for Keep it. Keep going. So then after she's kind of previewed this song on the same Instagram live, she says, you have three Grammys and you have to learn how to rap on the beat and be comfortable in the music. So she starts like dissing the fact that she, she like shouldn't have Grammys. She then went on a, on a spree just liking every mean tweet that came out about Megan Thee Stallion. Childish. Now, Megan Thee Stallion never actually gave Nicki Minaj the satisfaction of public reaction to the diss, but shared a photo of herself just hysterically laughing on her Instagram story. That was it. That was her whole reaction. No caption, no nothing, just a photo of her laughing. Now, Jan 27th to Jan 28th, Nikki went wild on X, defending her man and accusing Megan of bringing up tea from years ago. 
referencing his sentencing, I guess. Mm. Nikki also shared numerous posts calling Megan a disgusting serpent. Uh, TBH, they were like, TBH, that was ridiculous to say. It was quite funny. You've got to leave that in now. It's very funny. (laughs) To be honest, there were like 20 tweets and that Nikki posted, like she went on a bit of a rampage and they were all pretty wild and I'm not going to give go into them all. Yep. It was giving unhinged. Mm. This whole thing is giving unhinged. Yeah. I think the worst event that took place during this whole ordeal was when Megan the Stallion's mother's grave was then targeted by like online trolls in support of Nikki and like the cemetery actually to beef up their security due to imminent This threat. is actually horrible what oh. you're describing. So then Jan 29th, the anticipated diss track Bigfoot was dropped. It sent social media into an absolute frenzy. Many of the scathing bars included reference to Megan Thee Stallion's late mother, allegations of touching a minor, ghost riders hooking up with her friend's man, hanging with baby, and the Tory Lanez shooting. Again, I'm not going to read the lyrics out because I... I'm not good at it, but like debate broke out on social media between the two different fan bases. Both sides arguing back and forth about who won. The drama around all of this, though, landed Nikki her biggest debut on Apple, like slotting it at number five. And then on Feb 5th, Megan the Stallion's track slithered its way to number one on the hottest 100. And get this. The accomplishment makes her one of only two women rappers so far to debut two songs on top of that tally. The other, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Holy shit. But then sometimes you think, is this all orchestrated for this sort of results? Uh, I don't think so. I don't it's really think so low. in this case, but it's... it's actually funny you say that because Billboard had a really interesting take on all of this. They said that the beef business is a moneymaker. Yeah. The controversy around Hiss made it such a big song. And when Stream started dipping on that song and then Nicki Minaj brought up Bigfoot, Hiss then went, jumped back up to number one, as well as Bigfoot did better than some other past Nicki songs. Like, Billboard estimated that Hiss earned around 121,000 in royalties on demand audio streams, about 33,000 of which came from that bump when Bigfoot was released. And then, like, I thought this was a really good way of sum it up. They said, in an industry where the competition for attention is fiercer than ever, the combination of controversy and a celebrity remains the closest thing to a surefire winner. And pretty much said, like, it's in both of their best interests to continue fueling this, especially when fan culture and fan culture online is almost terrifying with how fierce it is. People love to take a side. Yeah. It does nothing but boost numbers. And also... My other take on this, apart from, like, obviously the moneymaker element of it, is, like, that the whole thing just sounds so one-sided. Yeah. Again, I've only just started really researching and looking into this, so I don't know if I'm missing anything. Let, us, let me know if I am. But, like, obviously this has been brewing for years between them. But, like, Megan has not officially named Nikki or directed a tweet at her or anything really that incriminating to balance out the absolute mayhem that Nikki is causing yeah. right now. It just feels weird. Thank you for educating me. I need to go home promptly and follow both of them to keep up with this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Taylor Swift's legal team are suing a university student who is publicly posting the movements of her private jet to measure the superstar's carbon footprint. I could have put a pun in there, but I actually just think this is a really interesting story. It is. And probably not one worth putting a pun because I want to have a bit of a debate about this. Yeah. And, and, and also, can I say from the top, we get a few messages, a few reviews every Maybe time. Maybe this last week because we did the Grammys rap, yeah. which obviously was very Taylor-focused. Yeah, and, and it is. But we can't help the fact that Taylor Swift is the news. And I think that this is a really important story because it goes so far beyond celebrity and goes so far into the political and climate that it's actually a new story. So for fucking once, I get to take the reins on a Taylor story, which I'm so excited by. Yeah, I was like, Sarah, can I do the jet fuel story? <laughs> like, yeah, this is this is a lot to unpack. Yeah. So basically, Taylor Swift's lawyer sent a cease and desist letter to Jack Sweeney, who's a 21 year old University of Florida student who runs several social media accounts which track the private jet use of Taylor Swift, but also other public figures. Mm. Now, I just want to explain briefly, you hear cease and desist a lot, but what it essentially means is it's a document sent by one party to another warning them that they believe they're committing an unlawful act. So it could be like a copyright infringement. In this case, it's a belief that they're engaging in stalking and harassment behaviour. And basically, it's a threat. Think of it as a threat that says, fucking stop doing this or I'm going to do something legal to get you. I'm being serious. Like, think of that as being the tone of what's occurring here in this letter. So who is this student? So Jack Sweeney is a junior at, as I said before, the University of Florida, and he's run all of these accounts. And you'll remember because Elon Musk actually threatened him last year and offered him a sum of money to stop (laughs) posting the locations of his private jet movements. Um, And so this isn't just a Taylor Swift thing. This is multiple people that he pursues. Now, I think a really important point from the top of this story is a lot of people will say it's a privacy breach, just like Elon Musk is claiming and like Taylor Swift is claiming or her attorney is. But the accounts use publicly available data from the Federal Aviation Administration and it also looks at um, aircraft uh, tracking data via the signals that they receive from the broadcast. So Mm. this is all public information. He's not doing anything illegal in finding this information. What he is doing is making it very available en masse so that anyone wanting to know... He's putting it in layman's terms, essentially, What I would say is that it is publicly available information but it makes that information all the more accessible for people wanting to know where she is. Yeah. So it's not doing something that's not available, but it is essentially streamlining that information to the wrong people, potentially. Do we know why he's, like, taking this upon himself? Is it an environmentalist? Yes, it's an environmentalist thing because he's trying to point to the carbon emissions, the carbon footprint of these superstars, these billionaires, basically. He's also received a nod from Forbes 30 Under 30 for his work doing this. Really? So he's popular. He's been around for a long time. But in December last year, Swift's attorneys at the Washington law firm Venable wrote to Sweeney with this cease and desist letter, basically saying that they would have no choice but to pursue any and all legal remedies if he did not stop his stalking and harassing behaviour. Okay, that's interesting because I, the way this news is broken, you'd think she did that in the last week, not mm. December. But here's the thing. Sweeney's leaked it to the Washington Post. And by leaked, I mean gave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. the Washington Post so this broke is just, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the Washington Post has broken this after Sweeney has given them the letter. Now, he told the Washington Post that he saw the letter as an attempt to scare him away from sharing public data. 
And he basically says that the accounts offer only an incomplete sketch of which cities Swift might be in, similar to the public schedules of the concerts and the NFL games she's been attending. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and by concerts, I don't mean the concerts she's attending. I mean the concerts she's fucking slaying. Let's not undermine yeah, yeah, that yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the letters he added were sent to him at a time when she faced criticism over her flight's environmental effects. Mm. So he's saying the information's already out there. Her team thinks they can control the world. Interesting. So he's really going down the line of I'm going to leak this to the media and if they're going to try and take me down, I'm going to pursue this because I believe that there is an inherent right for the public to know about what she's doing yeah. and the environmental footprint she and has. And I should keep pressure on her for the, like, so maybe she'll stop using. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I The reason I wanted to cover this is because I actually posted to Cheek about it and there's a new feature on Instagram where you can make a grid post and, and add a poll to it. Mm. So I put a poll basically saying all of this information and asking the question, like, is this claim that he is putting her at risk? Because really the contents of the cease and desist are more extensive than that. They say that that Taylor Swift is also like facing a lot of stalking behaviour lately and a man's been arrested recently, like a pl- following police investigation, and that this is sort of all happening at the same time and posing mm-hmm. an inherent and like significantly higher risk to her. Yeah. And so they're saying like it's stalking and harassing behaviour. So my question is, is it stalking and harassing behaviour or is it climate accountability? Can it be both? I don't think so, actually. I think it could be both, but I don't think this is. Because I think that I agree that it's publicly available data. I think the point is that the contents of the letter don't match the intention of the letter. That's what I believe. Mm. I believe that this is a legal avenue for stopping her from getting bad publicity, dressed up as a stalking and harassment claim. And I think that he is doing... I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. And I think what he is doing is really important work. Because it's not just Taylor Swift. It's accountability to so many people. But I think as much, and I think this is part of the point as well, because I I do agree. My concern is that Taylor Swift is the person that will be taken down for this, but there are so many celebrities out there who are emitting these sorts of footprints. Given uh, the data I've looked at this morning indicates that she was the highest emitter last year. But of the top 30, you've got people very close to her, like um, Tom Cruise, uh, Dan Blazarian, uh, Elon Musk. Like there are so many men, very rich men, who tend to fly under the radar and no one gives a shit. Mm. My only argument in defense of Taylor Swift is not defending her actions. It's only pointing out the fact that why is she on the chopping block for it but no one else is. What I will say is the the reason for that is because her fandom and base is so big that she is now being followed for her unnecessary flights to Travis Kelsey's games. The other thing to point out is there's a lot of criticism, but every country she goes to, she basically lifts out of a potential recession. (laughs) So... Realistically, my other question is, and I I don't know how to deal with this, and I also want to acknowledge that there's a huge bias in this room because we're both huge fans of hers. Yeah. So it's hard, right? I don't know. I think it's been a great week for Taylor Swift in many ways and a tough week for Taylor Swift in many ways. I think this has been the latest in a bit of a PR debacle for her. I think we've seen in the last week alone, now, like, my algorithm would be very geared towards very pro-Taylor Swift stuff on things like TikTok, and I have seen... TikTok after TikTok after TikTok after TikTok that is pretty much dragging Taylor through the mud and saying that the tides are turning on her. And the two big things that I've seen is it's very post-Grammys. People were not... The general consensus post-Grammys is poor taste. Yep. And one of that being the Grammys was not the time and place for her to announce a new album. And... I hadn't really thought about that and I saw a quote that I thought was really interesting and it said, the Grammys was not the place to announce a new album because these are her colleagues, not her fans. Yeah. And I thought that's a really interesting point. I didn't really think of it like that. Yeah. 
And the other thing was this big Celine Dion debacle yes. where when she won Album of the Year, she came up on stage, she essentially snatched... It looked like she snatched it wasn't, the award. It wasn't, it wasn't etiquette. It wasn't... And it, she didn't yeah. even make eye contact with Celine Dion. She snatched the award off, went straight to the mic, and everyone noticed it, um, especially because Celine Dion had come out. Like, it was a big surprise that she was there to announce that award. Uh, she is obviously a living legend, but she also is quite sick at the moment. She has uh, stiff person syndrome. A lot of people are saying maybe she didn't hug her because she had stiff person syndrome and that would have hurt to have touched mm. her. And that could very well be the case, that she was brief not to touch her. But still, there was just zero acknowledgement yeah. or eye contact. And then the other thing was there was photos of Celine Dion, like, hugging everyone backstage, and including Taylor, which, like, okay, so maybe she could have been touched. Yeah. I don't know. But that got a really big reaction. The Grammy announcement got a big reaction. And then this cunt breaking in the same week that she's suing a t like a 21-year-old or trying to like yeah. go up against a 21-year-old for jet fuel. And just hoping that he bends over basically and does what she wants and not take it public. It doesn't look great. I think at the end of the day, like, I, I'm going to see her in Melbourne in a couple of days. Yeah. And I'm very excited and I'm a big fan. But I've always thought there are no ethical billionaires. There yeah. are no – I can't support someone of that it. stature. And I – love her music and I will pay for those tickets and I will go and I will dress up and I'll have the best time because I believe in my ability to do that. Yeah. I don't think I have Same. to I don't have, I don't think I have to stop doing that. Same. But I think it's really important to be critical. Granted we haven't been. We have not been that critical, but the other thing I will say to this and this is something I I thought of when she announced that album and I looked at the reactions in the room and just the general discourse online afterwards and it's something Taylor's spoken about pretty extensively herself which is oversaturation. Yeah. And Taylor Swift has been dominating news headlines for over a year now, like pretty consistently with this tour, with releasing new albums. Like it's been pretty impossible to not speak about her. Yeah. And we know that being a news podcast. Yes, as fans, but also just like look at Shameless or anyone else that covers pop culture. You kind of can't escape yeah. it. But there's a point that you reach that then people turn on you. It's tall poppy syndrome, especially for a poppy, woman. It's tall poppy syndrome. It's innately sexist. Yes. And also, it's annoyingly human nature inevitable that if you see too much of someone, people are going to start turning. Totally. And I think that a lot of the comment sections on these posts have been very much like, I've always hated her. It's not the point. That's not the point <laughs> at all. You've missed it. You've completely missed it. The point is, actually, that we could live, I think the stat is, if we could live 538 years and not emit the same amount of like carbon that she has in the last year alone. Yeah. So I think that and this... And that's a fair call to make. And I don't expect her to travel commercially for her tour, but I do expect her to not fly across the country for a football game. Just when we thought the Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake feud was old news, Justin comes out swinging with a non-apology and Britney tells him to go home crying to his mum. Very good headline. Thank you for always bringing the headlines back. <laughs> that's, that's, like, I didn't even have to be funny with that. That is what happened. You have a gift for it, though. The, the way you read it, the wording, it's really everything to me. <laughs> okay, so a few days ago, we were briefly, very briefly, under the impression that perhaps exes Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were on good terms. And that would be impressive, considering the content about Justin that was included in Britney Spears' memoir, explosive memoir, I'd add, did not paint him in the best light. And I'm sure we all remember in the book, The Woman and Me, Britney Spears wrote that she had an abortion because Justin Timberlake didn't want to be a father and claimed that he broke up with her through a text message in 2002. And of course, everyone was like, oh, what the actual fuck, Justin, we hate Justin Timberlake. And this was particularly bad off the back of the previous Free Britney movement, where 
in the absolutely huge documentary framing Britney Spears, it was heavily implied that Justin Timberlake weaponized his music against Britney Spears in an openly and openly discussed his sexual relationship with her after their breakup. Now, when all that happened in the midst of the Free Britney movement, Justin did come out and apologize. Not everyone was very forgiving, though. The Free Britney movement was so powerful. When you think about like, it, people were so emotional about it. I, I think we should honestly do like a deep dive on it or something one yes. day because it is... You kind of forget about it and you're like, that was crazy. Add to list of things that we already have on plate. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay, so now, Justin the other week released his first single in five years and he titled this new track Selfish and Britney Spears fans hit back quite creatively. As Justin's track began to chart, Britney Spears fans started to promote her 2011 song, which was also titled Selfish. Oh, my God. And Britney's song not only re-entered the charts, but at one point topped not only Justin Timberlake's new song, but also Megan Thee Stallion's new song, Hiss, which, Holy as we've just learned, shit. was a big song to top, even momentarily. Oh, my God. People are so powerful. I know. Wait, so, sorry, did either of them respond? Yeah, so Britney made actually a really nice post after she saw those charts, and she said on her socials, I want to apologise for some of the things I wrote about in my book. If I offended any of the people I genuinely care about, I am deeply sorry. She then added, I also wanted to say I am in love with Justin Timberlake's new song, Selfish. It's so good. Okay. All right. What about what about Justin? <laughs> well, this is unclear if it was about Britney, but I would bet a billion dollars it was. Mm, strong. Um... <laughs> So after Britney had made that comment, he was in New York City, he was performing live and he, he actually, this is what he said in, during concert. I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely nobody. I would like to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. Ew. So it's also pretty on the nose that that non-apology came right before he then performed Cry Me a River. Which fuck off. Which is pretty well known to be the breakup song he wrote about Britney. So has Britney responded to this? So on Thursday, Britney posted an Instagram photo of a basketball hoop and she captioned it, someone told me someone was talking shit about me in the streets. <laughs> Do you want to bring it to the court or will you go home crying to mum like you did last time? I'm not sorry. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> Can I, sorry, stop. I am loving the amount of reading that you're doing that's absolutely hilarious out of context. Like, obviously we have context, but hearing you read these quotes I know. is so funny to Thank me. Thank you. Keep you're going. welcome. Well, I just want to add that the basketball hoop was especially funny because Britney once said that when her and Justin were dating, he used to cry if she beat him <gasps> in basketball. I, can I just say, I love how when Justin said something mean, I'm like, fuck off. And then Britney doing this basketball <laughs> thing. I'm like, that is queen. Well, I think it's because like she kind of tried to say something nice. She was being really nice and she's far more the vulnerable person in that scenario. But to add to this, apparently Justin Timberlake wants to do a tell-all with Oprah about his side of events and I what he's been be through watching. this last year since the Free Britney movement. Because, I mean, he has been, like, I don't think his career will ever fully recover from the Free Britney movement. I hope he does a tell-all. We'll discuss it on the phone. Yeah. Watch this space. Go on, Justin, do it if you're listening. The right to disconnect from work is now law after being passed by a parliament last week. 
Okay. There are also other key pieces of industrial relations reform that are happening with this change, but I think this is the most significant as it affects pretty much everyone listening. And I think also significantly, I want to note that part of these reforms include um, more secure permanent employment for casuals who are looking for full-time permanent roles and also better protections for gig economy workers like Uber drivers. So there's a suite of reforms and they're all being passed by the Labor government. But I really want to talk about this right to disconnect from work because I think there are a lot of misunderstandings about it. What's really important to understand here, which I think is being fundamentally misrepresented by the media and many politicians from the coalition, is that it's not that employers are now saying it's like a ban on overtime. That's not what it is at all. It's simply telling workers that they have the choice whether to respond outside of hours. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I think that like a lot of people listening, this will resonate because I think since COVID specifically, there's been a lot more remote work, but with remote work has come this expectation that people are always available, always on. And if not physically at work or working, just sort of mentally struggling to create those boundaries between work and home life and work and personal life. Yeah. I've I remember I was reading this study this morning from the Australia Institute that was, I think it was released November last year. They said that on average, people are losing $11,000 a year in unpaid overtime because that's how much work people do in their outside work hours. So that's why this is so important. That's an insane number. It is an insane number. It's not surprising it's at also the same time. It's very difficult to calculate because so many people are forgetting the email here, the phone call there, the five minutes they might put in every single day to something outside of work hours. And obviously so much of it is immeasurable. So much of the consideration and the mental load you carry home from work, which isn't necessarily active work, mm. um, but the difficulties to separate those things, that's really hard to put into a number. But I think what's really important to understand is that at its core, this change protects workers who decide not to respond to unreasonable contact outside of paid time. So this isn't saying that if an emergency arises, you can be like, get fucked. That's not what this is. And I think that's what the media is going to place it as, right? Yeah, that it's like we're all so lazy now. Exactly. And that like Gen Z, they don't want to get up. Yeah. You, know, the cl- you can yeah, hear yeah, it, yeah. right? You yeah. can hear the headline. In your, you can hear the tabloid media going off. What this is, is giving people the power to say, I do not have to respond to just any email or just any contact because you feel like telling me something at 8pm on a Wednesday night. So yes, and it depends on the kind of work you do, whether your hours are salaried and there is the, you know, some people's contracts or EBAs. Will actually say that yeah, you, you're you don't really have a nine to five job. Yeah. And also what's interesting is what will have to be worked out when this legislation is beginning to be applied to different people and case studies is what does reasonable mean in this context? What is reasonable? request what is a reasonable amount of overtime I I think it depends on your industry your job your age your like actual wage exactly (laughs) and and this is the thing is that you know the fair work commission will be testing this and there'll be a range of sort of ways it's applied and ways it's sort of rejected basically but at its core it's just trying to make a shift away from the expectation that we're on at all times Mm. and make a return to that work-life balance Mm. which is a positive thing I I don't know why it wouldn't be taken as that (laughs) no I completely agree and I think that's 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 why we need to reconsider this and try to provide a a balanced viewpoint to what the media is going to report is that this is isn't just like the idea of common sense flying out the window. It is because it's going to rely on a common sense approach to what is reasonable. And when it comes to discussing this, it's really just about empowering employees to make that decision and be able to just switch off and take the time. Because I think for employers as well, what we're underestimating here is the power for this sort of a change to increase your work satisfaction. 
And probably your productivity. And your longevity as an employee. Because if you're feeling more satisfied and more productive in your work hours, you're more likely to be a better performing employee long term. Gosh, this is interesting though, because you can just hear this opening up the big generational debate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's why I thought this was such an important story this week, because everything I've read online has been so like, no one wants to work these days and they're banning overtime. And it's like, I also think that overtime legislation should be strengthened to make it clearer boundaries as to what amounts to overtime. Because for me, I think that what's important about this piece of legislation is what they're saying is no one is being paid for these little bits and pieces of work that are unreasonable and Mm. are not required. And so you need to strengthen what overtime means and pay people accordingly if you expect them to do that work, or you need to give them the right to switch off, which is what the government's done. Yeah, I also think there's something in, especially I guess working in media, like I guess everyone from every industry would have a different experience with this, but I think laws like this could be really helpful. You see a lot of fresh out of uni intern like people getting taken for an absolute ride based on like it's good experience and I was one of them. I don't regret it because I did get the experience. Like I wouldn't have progressed if I hadn't Mm. done that and I think it depends on who your boss is and stuff, but there are some real horror stories of – unrealistic expectations. Absolutely. And like I'm self-employed, I run my own media company and I am my own boss and she's fucking horrible. (laughs) So like I'm very much of the view, like I have worked in a range of industries. I've worked in the legal profession. I've worked for a union before. So I'm obviously very familiar with this legislation and I'm interested to see what its function is long-term because I've appeared in the Fair Work Commission and dealt with these sorts of cases before. And my experience has always been that people do a lot of unpaid overtime. And this is one small step in the right direction to restoring that balance and giving people a genuine ability to switch off after work. Okay, we are now at the Q&A section for this week. Thank you, everyone, who was sent in. If you do have a question, thoughts, feelings, concerns, all of the above, we'd love to hear it at bigsmalltalk underscore pod. And... You've got our Q&A question for this week, don't you? I do. It comes from this awesome tattoo account too. So I don't know the name of the person. I'm sorry. But this is the sort of two-parter in the question box. And they ask, I agree violence is never the answer. But if the Kyle and Jackie O guy was asking Margot Robbie for her bathwater, would people feel differently about the situation? Disgusting behaviour in my opinion, they add. A lot of messages asking us to unpack our thoughts on the Jacob Elordi situation more. Because if you saw our stories on Instagram, so our Instagram's at bigsmalltalk underscore pod, we do polls at the end of each week which kind of ask questions about the stories we've covered. And one of them that I put up was two tweets that were kind of making a joke about like Australians defending Jacob Elordi because of the fact that if if Americans knew about Kyle and Jackie O, they'd defend him too sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, they know like probably the context was almost definitely trying to get that reaction out of him. And so the poll was really asking if people agree with the sort of funny memification of this news story or whether it's just like violence is violence. And I think that that question that was put in the question box kind of reframes that. Because, mm. look, when I saw the tweets, I thought they were funny, if I'm being completely Same. honest. And I don't think what Jacob did was appropriate at all. But I think that fundamentally everyone here is Kyle and Jackie Osher and producer and has an instant mental image of what's gone down and what's Mm. occurred and knows that that's a really unfair position for someone to be put in where they've had a breach of their personal space, of their privacy, and they've been heckled, basically. I think it's disgusting behaviour from everyone involved in that story. Yeah. I think that I'm allowed to have a little giggle, but I'm also allowed to be angry and disappointed in Jacob Lordy's conduct as well. I think the perspective of 
some guy coming up and asking Margot Robbie that, we would all be like, that's a fucking creep. Yeah, and that's why I really think that's an interesting way to play it from that question is, like, we would have a harsher perspective, but I also don't think in any context Margot Robbie would grab him by the throat and push him to the wall, allegedly. Yeah. So I think that that's also, when you push it totally in reverse, that wouldn't be the outcome either. You're right. So it's kind of the the gender role plays into it fundamentally in both ways. Mm. Thank you for listening this week. If you wanted to send us anything, please do on Big Small Talk underscore pod. Tap the bell. Like, subscribe, review. All the above. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.